0: Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership lessons therein, and we like to do that in the world and spaces of sports, of books, authors, pastors, comedians, the like, and music. And uh, today it's it's fun to be able to have on a guy that's not only a guest but a guy I'm privileged to call friend and. Uh, We get to do a bit of life together virtually, talking books and what God's been doing in our hearts and things we're reading and and so on and so forth. And today we're joined by Clark Kellogg. Probably don't need to say much about him to the audience. Most people uh, are familiar with his work, playing basketball, speaking about basketball. Um, Clark, I'm going to just jump into it. I was blown away when I heard you recently on our mutual friend Jason Romano's Sports Spectrum podcast. And to think you've been doing basketball commentating for over half of your life. Thirty-two years, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, man. It's been a unbelievable it's been an unbelievable journey, man. I, I never envisioned it, expected it. Clearly I desired to get to the highest levels of playing and had that dream realized in nineteen eighty two. But my playing career in the in the NBA with the Indiana Pacers was cut short, as you well know, Jeff, because of um chronic issues of cartilage damage in my left knee. We had three arthroscopies, 84, 85, 86, ultimately had to call it a career in August of 87 and got my chance in the broadcasting space with the Indiana Pacers, the team that drafted me in 82, got a chance to start doing radio commentating for the Pacers the fall of 87. And that same year, the hometown station, my hometown station in Cleveland, reached out to me to commentate Cleveland State University basketball Mm -hmm. games on television. So right out of the chute, retiring August of 87. In October, I'm calling pastry games on radio, and by December, I'm doing a handful of Cleveland State University games on a local television station up in Cleveland, my hometown. And that was the beginning of a journey in the broadcasting space that continues um, to this day. So all told, that's 87. We're in 22. So, oh, that's, um, this is 33 years that I've been behind the microphone in some fashion talking about college and/or pro basketball.
0: That has to just blow yeah. your mind. Like, it uh, when does. When I see, when I does, I see does, pictures man. of you, I've really seen some pictures yeah. of you from back then. A, you're getting better looking with age, so you're, you're keeping up with the times really <laughs> well. But I'm like, the lessons <laughs> you've I appreciate
1: had... that, man. Thank you. Well, my the wife lessons be happy you've... to hear you say that.
0: Well, there you go. The lessons you've had to have learned. I mean, Clark Kellogg, the announcer 32, 33 years ago to Clark Kellogg now, what do you beat that guy up? Do you think, well, no, it's we're we're pretty much the same or what do you think about that, Clark Kellogg? Yeah, you
1: ago? know, no, you know, there's some things I look at and cringe, you know, some of my confidence or cockiness, if you will. Even going back to my playing days. Um, I feel like, Oh, wow, that's a little much in terms of posture and attitude and demeanor. Nothing malicious, but just things that were rough around the edges, if you will. And a lot of it was carnal because I was not in faith and in the Lord Mm -hmm. at that time. So clearly he does the work of transformation through his word and by his spirit and by his people. And when you're outside of that, then clearly you kind of operate in a worldly fashion. And so, yeah, I look back and think about it, but all of it is part of my journey. And uh, there's some regrets, obviously we have to learn to live with those, but by and large, the Lord has taken who I was and changed me into who he wants me to be over the years um, since 1986 when I gave my, my heart and life to Christ. As a matter of fact, I had given my heart to God to Christ um, prior to um, stepping into the broadcasting space.
0: Well, keep going with that. I know we always you know, assume nobody knows anything, and people that hear this may not know your story. So get more into the three-, four-, or five-minute testimony of Uh, You know, I know it, but for for people who don't, let's hear the Clark Kellogg Come to Jesus story.
1: Yeah, you know, it was relatively simple. It took a little while, but I grew up as the oldest of five in Cleveland. um, Really solid, lower-middle-income class home. Both of our parents are deceased now, but I had both parents up until I was um, 33 with my mom. She died suddenly from some complications from surgery, and then my dad died in 2016 after— Um, some complications from a surgery as well Um, but growing up stable home but not a home where we went to church or spent time in things spiritual we basically sought to be good decent folks and in that climate of the late 60s early mid 70s as I was growing up there was more of a friendly judeo-christian ethic and ethic and ethos in our, cult, in our country. So there was a God reverence and fear, but I didn't really go to church much. Basketball was at the throne of my life. It really kind of centered me in every way as far as how I saw the world and pursued that dream. But ultimately it was a combination of um, Rosie's um, legend. Rosie and I have been married since 1983. We met in 1979. Um, got married in 1983 she had been in a home where her parents had uh, given their hearts and lives to christ so she knew a bit about being rightly related to god by faith in christ i didn't uh, but my knee injury rosie's um, background and nudging and then a local pastor who showed up during indiana pacer games in 1985 with the desire to share the gospel share the good news of god's love for us through his son, Jesus Christ, began to interact with me and ultimately I gave in to his um, his prodding and probing and allowed him to begin to share the word of God. Brian Chapman was his name and over a period of the spring of 86 um, until November of 86, the living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword word of God um, convinced me of my need for a savior that God created me to reflect His image in the earth, sin, living apart from God's design and plan and way, keeps me from the God who loves me. And so Jesus Christ, his son, God in the flesh, came, died for my sinful nature and the sinful nature of humanity. And upon believing in your heart that Jesus is God's son and that he died for that sinful nature that keeps me away from God. And then confessing with my mouth that I desire for Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. The promise is he'll come in and make you new, forgive you of your sin and give you a way back to um, eternal, purposeful, fruitful, abundant life. And so Dr. Stanley talks about it, Jeff, from the standpoint of there are 10 things he lists as what typically God can use to get our attention. One is um, dried up finances, unanswered prayer, loss of any kind, health issues. And there's several others. Uh, for me, it was the loss of what had been on the center of my life, basketball. There was a sense of gratitude too, for the blessings that had occurred in my life that I knew weren't just because of me and others. Um, And that was, and then another person or two, a spoken word. And some of that was from Rosie. Some of it was from some other folks who um, had had relationships with God through Christ. And all of that converged in a way to where I um, sought out the, the word, and had a pastor who kind of helped walk me through it. And mm. Got me to a place where I recognized my need, and I uh, received the gift of, of new and eternal life in in Christ by faith. So
0: you hit on the word humility earlier. I, I think it's fair to say. I know I've heard you reference it before about maybe where you weren't as humble, whatever. And I remember watching you. You know, you're a little bit older than me. I remember when I was younger watching. Yeah, you play. just a scotch, just yeah. a scotch, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I remember thinking, like that, that guy, that guy's got some confidence. He's got some borderline cockiness. <laughs> um, and I think in my own life, the one thing I tell people all the time that I know God really did in my life when I as I came to Christ and really grew in Christ was I became much bolder and much more of a risk taker and not playing life safe. Do you hear that and think about humility in your own life and think, yeah, that's the one area above all others where I can see God's done a really significant work in my life?
1: That's part of it. I I think for me, it's probably um, a little different in that it really, as I grew in faith and began to digest the scriptures and let the spirit of God and the word of God shape and and transform my heart i've become uh, much more others centered Mm. and a lot more generous in every aspect of the word i've always been um, somewhat of an extrovert enjoyed people i think i got that from my dad a long-time police officer who could never really met a stranger and i'm much the same way Mm, in terms of how i respond to people and how i engage with people and so I think that was amplified as I gave my heart to Christ and the desire to be more generous in every aspect of that. And that is foundationed on humility, you know, not thinking more highly of yourself than you are. And, you know, when you've actually been in the world of pro sports and gotten to the highest level of your particular game and with that accomplishment comes some notoriety, some level of celebrity, if you will. You know, I played in college at Ohio State. Um, Huge following, great alumni base, great athletic tradition, a Cleveland native. So all of that led to significant recognition statewide and regionally and even nationally. Then you throw on top of that, getting to the NBA and having some success early on and then ultimately still being much in the public eye as a commentator for ESPN, CBS, Big East Network and the like. You know, there's a level of of celebrity and notoriety that comes with that, that can be um, challenging to navigate. But God gives gives me a sense of humility and centeredness around who he is and who he says I am. And that's to be walked out uh, in a way that 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 honors and pleases him and, and hopefully lifts up other people.
0: And to speak to that, when I think of people I know, whether it's on a super personal local level or guys like you and others I've been blessed to know um, who do some significant stuff beyond Springfield or even Ohio or whatever, I mean, you're, you're at the top of the list in my mind as far as who is humble, who others fo- – and I think humility and others focus, and as you mentioned that, they, they really go together. And I, I just think it's how neat, at least in my world, and I'm sure other people could speak to this, when we, we need 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, examples of humility – you, you lead the pack in my mind, and, and it's neat to see how God's done that. And whether you see it as that way or not, I guess it's the old line about once you think you're humble, you're not type of deal. But,
1: you know, I try to anchor myself around uh, one of my recent prayers uh, just a few weeks ago was, Lord, help me to be all that you want me to be mm. in the places you have me mm. and not any less Ooh. than you want me to be not to crave for more, but to be all that you would have me to be. I know there's a level of access and presence and influence that God has afforded me through where he's taken me, and I can't shy away from that, Mm -hmm. but I also can't seize it just for me. It has to be walking in step with the Spirit. As Paul says in Galatians, let's keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the spirit is manifested in us as we spend time in the presence of the Lord so that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control can naturally flow out of not what I'm doing, but who I'm becoming because who I spend time with and that being what waters the inner man. And so hopefully that comes out in a really authentic way, despite my flaws and imperfections that we all have in this fleshly body that we're trapped in uh, temporarily.
0: Well, I think God's answering those prayers for you, no doubt about it. So I want to bust your chops a little bit here. You did, before we got on, I saw you drinking your green spinach uh, flavorful drink there. And you talked about you're doing this because you're trying to come back from lean into being healthier. You're a super disciplined guy. Like, what is what is Clark Kellogg getting ridiculous on the veg outside look like?
1: Oh man, it's crazy, bro. You you actually should you should should probably bring Rosie in here because she just laughs laughs at me because I'll go crazy. You know, I'm a big snacker, man. I love chips. I love licorice. Cookies, but I mean, there's not anything that I don't enjoy. I think all food is created to be enjoyed. Amen. Some of it just in moderation, <laughs> and so I have to wrestle with the moderation part. I wrestle with the moderation part a lot on the snacks. Uh, peanuts are fine, but I can't. You can't eat a whole tub of them. Yeah, you know, mixed nuts, unsalted are fine, but you can't eat all. Potato chips aren't awful; they're not the greatest, but you can't eat a whole bag. And I have a tendency to go all bag in on some of that stuff. It fits and starts. And there are times when I'm pretty disciplined. Other times I lose my way. And there's always a way to recenter and re-anchor. Repent, turn, and then go a different direction. So when I go sideways, I attend. There's a really good smoothie book that I have, 100 different smoothies, all green smoothies and fruit. And it's a wonderful way to recalibrate, cleanse. It cleanses your organs. It gives your organs a shower because it's water-based. Spinach, kale, and then fruit, and they're all good. I mean, there's like you can do a ten day cleanse um, with ten different smooth smoothies and snacks like boiled egg, hard boiled eggs, handful of mixed nuts, uh, carrots and celery and that type of stuff. And you do that three or four days, you feel a difference in your in your body, and it makes you feel good. And it just again, it's a way for me to recalibrate. It doesn't excuse going out of bounds, though. That's the other part. So at some point, you've got to be able to blend this into a more balanced, consistent, long-term approach. So I'm a work in progress in that regard.
0: Well, Clark, let's take this back to a moment in time. So March, earlier this year, uh, I think it was on the first weekend that Sunday, you guys had the – and you and I were texted about this. You guys had those donuts on the on the uh, bracket. There were probably 48, if I'm my math's right. It was on Sunday. No, so it's the
1: 16. It's the sweet 16, right? We no,
0: come on. That was not the case. Yes, yeah.
1: Was it only Sweet 16? Okay, well, man, I think that's usually when we do it, though. In the past, our producers usually reserved it for the Sweet 16. Oh, that's
0: good. If it so, was a 68, you yeah, guys would be yeah. in trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah, major trouble. 16 is too many, but continue.
0: So let's say it was you, Kenny, Chuck. I don't know if it was Greg Gumble or if it would have been uh I think Ernie. it was Ernie.
1: I think it was Ernie. It was probably Ernie because it was at night. It was probably Ernie.
0: So how many donuts got eaten? All of them?
1: I had... I, no, yeah, well, we you know we got a big crew that most people oh, don't see that that's works true. behind the scenes our camera folks, our producers, directors, our researchers. So we made sure they had whatever they need, wanted. But I did get, I think I went for three, which is um, a tad more than I should have. But boy, were they good.
0: So tell me they about Charles. Good, Let's man. hear about Charles. How many did he eat?
1: No, I think he only had two, what? if I recall correctly. And, and Kenny. Kenny is probably the, the most disciplined of the three of a clearly the most disciplined when it comes back. Kenny's a pretty, pretty healthy eater, um, at least in my presence. Yeah. Um, so I, I but he did have one. He may have one and a half because he really tries to stiff arm the, uh, the sugar intake and he does a pretty good job. Of it. you can tell he looks good. He moves well. And so all of that is a function, I think, of how he um, how he eats. I just
0: remember telling you I thought the Tennessee donut didn't look real good. I was kind of disappointed in that. But the Purdue one, if I remember correctly, the Purdue one looked really good.
1: Well, they were all tasty. The (laughs) ones I had, I couldn't taste them all. And um, I'm more on I'm more on taste versus looks. In go. terms of what a donut right. <laughs> how a donut satisfies
0: me. That's right. So let's go back to talking. We don't, you and I don't talk a ton about basketball, but I want to go back to when you were talking about Cleveland State and of course you you know a lot of people know you started out doing some broadcasting with the Pacers. So I've been I've been really digging watching the 2022-2023 Cleveland Cavs and they got yeah. Austin Carr Brad Doherty comes in and sits in with him, some Cassie Russell. Yeah. When you think yeah. back to your days, yeah. how was? do you miss anything about being able to be a local guy who really gets to cheer for the local team? It's a different mindset than when you're cheering or, or yeah. commentating on the national level. What were some of the pros and cons of those early days where you could really cheer for the team you're broadcasting for versus now you really don't do that?
1: Yeah, you know, I never really did that anyway. You had a little more latitude if you were one of the local commentators for a local team. For instance, when I was doing Pacers radio and television, I needed to be objective, but there was no denying where my allegiance was. Mm -hmm. And that would come come out on occasion, but not to the point of being disrespectful to the other team or leaning into being a homer. That wasn't the case. Clearly I'm working for the Pacers. I played for the Pacers. That is part of my DNA as a basketball person. Such is the case with Ohio State. Now it becomes much more of a challenge on the national level, as I do as I've done Ohio State games, particularly early in my career. Jeff, it was really hard to try not to be to try to be objective, with not without being too critical of Ohio State and trying to appease the other side of the equation, because people would automatically assume that I'm an Ohio State guy and pull it from there. So I didn't ever want any of that to, in any way, appear to come out on the air. And so sometimes early on, I maybe went too far the other way. Mm. And then over time, you learn how to balance. And then the other thing you realize is that you're not going to please the um, fickle public no mm. matter what you do. So be objective, uh, be true to your craft, be a good teammate, honor the Lord and what you do and um, let the tips fall where they, where they will. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge. But I do love cheering for this current Cavs team. And, you know, Austin Carr was one of the first pros I had personal interaction with. I mm-hmm. went to his basketball camp as an eighth grader. He was playing with the Cavs, had a big name coming out of Notre Dame, and was Mr. Cavs, number one pick in the draft. And I got to meet him and have maintained a decent friendship with him since then because of um, basketball. And so uh, it's been unbelievable the journey, what God has allowed me to see, do, experience, be part of through um, the love affair with, with that orange ball, which, uh, which for me, Jeff started, man, probably nine, 10 years old. It grabbed me and has never let me go.
0: Mm, love that. So uh, answer this question. Me and Alex were, de- my, my Alex were debating this last night. So I want to hear your take on this. We'll get very specific in the world of NBA. Is there a better guard duo right now? Do you think than Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland?
1: They're, they're, they're at the top of the heat. Um, uh, Obviously you can go Steph and Clay, although Clay hasn't quite yeah. gotten back to where he was pre-knee injury, and it's gonna take maybe another offseason before and he is getting older, but nonetheless, that duo because of their championship pedigree and their shooting ability. But I tell you, those guys, Mitchell and Garland, make the short list. I don't think there's any question about it. And their upside, you know, those guys are really young. Donovan is really not quite at the center of his prime i think he's just on the front end of his prime and garland hasn't even got there yet but boy are they special man they are terrific and so much fun to watch not to mention what's going on with the front line too man and the coaching staff i mean i'm excited for the hometown Cavs. you know when i'm not cheering for the pacers that's the team that i always cheer for the, the cleveland teams
0: yeah. Well, Darius Garland, I mean, he. I think it was a Timberwolves game I was watching the other night. He had 29 in the fourth quarter. And then Donovan, I, I tell Alex all the time, I said, watching his, he's behind a three-point line. He takes a couple steps driving in, and he could just take that step back behind the line shot. Was, yeah. Um, he was so funny last night, so watching their game last night, he, he, uh, he kept somebody getting a rebound at the end from getting a, either a double-double or a triple-double. And you could see the look on his face like... I can't believe I did that. There was a rebound, him, and uh, I think it was maybe a Mobley wow. or somebody could have gotten, and he kept it from a double-double or triple-double, and it must have been a double-double, and you could see the look on his face like, oh, I wish I would have let him get that rebound, and yeah. they just seem very selfless and very much for each other. Yeah. And, oh, they're, they're yeah, fun they to watch. Yeah, do. they do. That's so cool. So, hey, I want to talk to you about your boys a little bit. So, you know, we both have an Alex. You've met my Alex multiple yeah. times, and and uh, I can't remember if I think I think – I, maybe I met Nick. I don't remember which one of them I met – down at Xenia that one time, but I know they're very important to you. When we talk about them, it seems like you're always in a new stage of of doing something intentional together. Um, talk about over the years, from, from them as children, to them as teenagers heading to college, to now as adults, talk about, give us some tips, fatherhood wise, on those three stages of life with your two boys.
1: Yeah, you know, as I think back, obviously I was traveling an awful lot as the kids were younger, so Rosie was a Single mom, in many ways, a domestic engineer that had to hold it down for several months. But when I was there, I was really pretty intentional about trying to put my hands and my heart on my kids in a fatherly way. And then as they got older, age appropriate, more in a friendly, fatherly way. When kids are younger, you really have to set a tone for how you desire them to operate in character and discipline. So that often means that you have to be a little firmer than you'd like to. And then as they get older, they understand that you give them more latitude. But early on, you've got to be more father and disciplinarian than friend. Yeah. And yet there are moments where you want to make sure they see you laughing uncontrollably, doing silly stuff. And I tried to do that, whether it was being out in the yard playing catch or rolling around in the ground or watching movies or taking them to movies and that kind of stuff. So. I wish I would have been a tad more hands-on in terms of um, sowing the word into them earlier. I was a little, not lax, but a touch distant there. I would pick spots and not be as consistent as perhaps I would if I could redo it, if I could get sure. a mulligan on that. Uh, but we were in a good church setting and there were uh, you know plenty of times for them But I wish I would have been a little more intentional and strategic early on as they got to be involved in their sports as, um, you know, middle schoolers and then high school. The thing I wanted to be consistent in was presence and encouragement without the weight of my celebrity overwhelming them or overbearing on being overbearing. I didn't want that to be me. The public was going to deal with it however they were going to deal with it, people outside of, but I needed to be consistently present and encouraging and supportive but never in a way to draw attention to myself. And I was very, very cognizant of that. Rosie was great as a supporter, mm. um, vocal, demonstrative, motherly. And that was terrific. And it was a good, good balance for us. And then really just trying to nurture their hunger for their own responsibility and their growth and their development. And that was with not just the boys, but with Talisa as well. Um, As you get to certain ages, there's a level of responsibility you have to start to take for how you're going to put your line in the sand, how you're going to conduct your life as you allow scripture to inform and instruct you. And that's not for me to dictate or determine. I can be an influencer by example and through um, strategic injections of things to think about, things to read people to consider those types of things so i've always tried to be that way and now as an adult i mean heck, alex is married with, with two children and a third wow. on the way wow. uh, nick is engaged is engaged to be married in may to so lisa has a little girl uh she's the oldest she's 35 and now the dynamics of how they're navigating their faith journeys and and, and growing in that regard and also navigating life They they're all in different kind of different places but all in good places and now you're navigating as a dad and even Rosie and I as parents and grandparents. Um, how do we um, influence, love, support and encourage, offer counsel without being overbearing and giving them room to to run their own races? And that's, uh, and that's a challenge. I mean, there are times you want to step in, but I've always been more of the one who wants to um, give them room mm. to fall or fail forward to have to deal with consequences of their choices and to be available and ready um, to inject uh, when they seek it, uh, and then ask the Lord for wisdom and discernment when I might need to step in when they might not be seeking it. And that's a delicate dance. It's a delicate dance.
0: It seems like just from stuff we've talked about, I know you guys have read some books together, you and the boys, that there's probably a pretty good level of comfortability, both you with them and them with you. Is that, is that fair to say? At the stage?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's across our family. I mean, Rosie did a marvelous job of really nurturing a loving environment for our household. I mean, when we get together, our kids still like to get over a couple of times a month just to congregate. Um, they're all within 10, 12 miles of us in Columbus. And so they like to come to the big house, they call it, <laughs> and just hang out. Sometimes they'll just show up and we'll have food and fellowship, games, laughter, conversation. And it's been fun to see how the conversations have changed a little bit mm-hmm. as dad, as Alex has become a dad and as he's growing in his faith and really wanting to step into being a godly husband and godly father and how that's starting to shape the lines he draws around himself and his family and what he's pursuing. Nick now getting ready to step into marriage, how they want to navigate that. And I think the example Rose and I have given in terms of um, friendship that her and I have spend a lot of time doing stuff together. Uh, I pray that example is, um, I I read somewhere, Jeff, that one of the best things we can do as as dads is to really love our wives in front of our kids, to really show affection and playfulness and commitment and sacrifice, disagreements, or I mean the whole nine, but there has to be a real consistent emphasis on, I love you guys, but she's first. Yeah. She's now you guys, especially as they get older, you know, Hey, you got your, Hey, we're doing what we're doing. We love you guys, but you're not, we're not going to be waiting around to decide what we're going to do based on what y'all are doing. Yep. No, 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 no. Me and her got things. We got plans. We, you know, so that kind of thing, that's always been really important. And I, I pray that that's been beneficial to them. The example, um, but the playfulness and, the, uh, and I've always given my kids room. I mean, if they have any kind of case they want to make for me, if they can defend it, I just, I just want them to come. If you got something you want to ask me, or something you disagree with, then you got to be ready to, mm. to state your case. Ooh. You know, you got to be ready, to, and I'm, and I'll listen every single time, and mm. I won't react, I won't judge. But I, you, you can't come half cocked. Mm. You know, <laughs> you got to, you, you can no, no, you got to show up with something you've worked. I've got to have evidence that you've thought about this in some Mm. form or fashion. And then you can put anything on the table for, before me. And I'll, I'll pray and see, I mean, I'd be something that a lot of times they think I'm going to react one way and I don't, I react, you know, so (laughs) we've got a really good family um, relationship and our three kids are really close. They talk, um, I think they talk daily. in the Sibs group chat, the three of them pretty much. And they hold each other accountable and challenge each other. I love hearing some of the, some of the friction and debate. And disagreements that bubble up when uh, when they're talking, and uh, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool to to kind of see it play out in a uh, in a healthy, yeah. um, loving, um, positive way. You
0: know what's encouraging about what you just said there? I one of my prayers for our conversation here was that it would be like you and I typically talking, not feeling like it's for some product to be put oh, yeah. out with a right. podcast. And I'm really challenged by what you said there about thinking about. Because uh, I, I experience this right now with my kids where they almost go into something expecting me to respond a certain way. And it's almost <laughs> like they're ready for me to be either too strong or too whatever. And I'm like, whoa, give me the shot. Yes. And uh it's kind of an yeah, interesting, almost yeah. like a role reversal thing, like um, like mm-hmm. they're expecting something to, like let let me be first. Don't go into it thinking I'm gonna get mad or I'm gonna yeah. be disappointed. Or Yeah.
1: Um, has yeah.
0: that has that been something like that with you guys? Have you noticed that over the course of time and years, like where that's maybe? Yeah,
1: it evolves over time, Jeff. You know, we grow. We learn as dads, as husbands. You know, we learn from other folks and our own mistakes, our own wins. We learn. I mean, we change. And over time, you begin to realize that some of the things that were etched in stone seven, eight, ten years ago, maybe you can, you know, maybe you can leave them in wet cement instead of having them in stone. And some of them don't even need to be wet. They just need to be, you know, so you begin. To, and, and that's part of the process of our journey. And we have to, I think we just have to give ourselves room to embrace the process. You know, there's always the urgency to to, to, to close the loop or to have a final resolution or answer. And there are times when that's necessary, but there are many times when it's just a process that needs to have room to unfold and then you 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 bring the wisdom you gain through experience the the wisdom you glean from the lord and then you mm-hmm. sometimes it's sit sometimes it's engaged sometimes yeah. it's sit and engage and you kind of learn and and knowing your kids too you know knowing your kids where their hot buttons are what are their tendencies strengths and weaknesses you know our kids are pretty, um, all three of our kids are pretty strong-minded, man. Mm. <laughs> you know, as yeah. I watch them, they get, they get their anchor in on something, boy. And they, uh, you know, especially my daughter and, and youngest son, those dudes won't move, man. They won't move. <laughs> they, they want you to see it their way. And if you don't, what's wrong with you, you know? So yeah. that's something we try to call out on them. And Alex being a middle is uh, pretty firm and forceful in what he believes and his convictions and uh, rarely holds his tongue always diplomatically always um, and usually a good tone, but he's, um, if it's on his heart, then he's probably going to bring it to the table. So uh, it's all good, healthy family dynamics, man. But yeah, that evolving of being able to be seen uh, as you are, not as you used to be both ways, right? Your kids have to see that you, we're one way, perhaps when they were younger, but then hopefully they've seen you evolve. Some of that stuff doesn't change. I mean, we uh, researchers say we pretty much have our personalities by the time we're what, four or five. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't vacillate a whole wow. much from that, but it gets shaped and molded by, by God as we allow him to.
0: Well, and I, lo- I love what you said too about with Rosie just loving her well and trying to you know make sure she's the priority yeah. over the kids. I uh, this morning thinking about basketball and holidays and everything going on. I I uh, realized we had some space tomorrow night open, and I thought you know what I need to take care of. Uh, If she's able and willing, and I I didn't fully know her schedule tomorrow night with kids and everything and Bible study she's Mm -hmm. she's in. But I said, hey, why don't we try to go hit one of these two movies, go to dinner over there by that movie theater. And, uh, you know, she might have something, but she thinks it's actually getting changed. So we might be able to do that. But I'm like, you know, that never feels wrong when there's a little bit of space trying to fill Kara into that. Because uh, uh, I was challenged a few years ago by a friend and he goes, you know, I think you're not pursuing Kara like you think you are. And uh, every time I feel Mm -hmm. like we might be off, I have to ask myself, am I pursuing Kara like I think I am to the point that she needs me to pursue her and God would have me pursue her? And guess what? The answer is usually no.
1: (laughs) The answer is usually Mm -hmm. no. And uh,
0: that's a real challenge to step into pursuing. You know,
1: something that happened for me about four or five years ago, I can't remember, it's been probably at least four, Rosie and I just kind of designated Thursday Mm -hmm. as um, her day. She typically gets her hair done every other Thursday. So it was born out of that for me to take her. I could have an hour, an hour and a half to do an errand, do a call. And then afterwards we'd go eat. And if she had errands to run and it's actually been a pretty, and it actually became every Thursday, not just the Thursdays of her hair appointments, but it became every Thursday to where that was kind of a sacred day. And I wouldn't, schedule anything i would really do everything i could there are occasions when stuff comes up you know board meetings that had that happen that i have but by and large i yeah. really try not to and got to the point where my buddies know you know sometimes they'll call me and say oh it's thursday or they'll text mm. me and say, and they kind of knew and that kind of gave me con- you know additional confirmation and affirmation i know how it made rosie feel and so that was something where it was um, the spontaneous ones are great but the plan yep pre-plan set aside where it's just there is even better and um it's been a really um uh, it's really been a positive thing for me and for us and um i would just encourage you to think about that too and the guys listening i mean to you know when you have a designated and it's and you know it's basically she, she likes me to drive her around um and sometimes i'll even do that on a, you know where she wants to run to the store and i say if i'm there and that would be more of a spontaneous i'll just say hey you want me to drive you that way she doesn't have to park. I just drive her and give her daughter, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a small thing, but, it, yeah. but it's another way of, you know, affirming and, and loving loving her. And uh, and I'll turn the bed down at night before she goes in there because sometimes she goes in there, well, actually like 80% of the time she goes in there before I do because I'm up sometimes watching games or whatever. I'll try to make sure no matter what that I can get in there and turn it down before. Yeah. You know, just little stuff yeah. like that, And I'm sure. Guys have other little things that their wives like that they do. I know Ernie Johnson talks about taking his wife flowers every week. Uh, yeah, it takes them every week, and then he buys two, so he can give one to somebody else. Wow. that the Lord puts on his heart. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful. That is powerful visual. Um, but again, just some of those little little to make those deposits in your in your bride's um, love tank. Those are mutually beneficial sure.
0: that makes yeah. me grateful though that Kara's love language is not really flowers so I can I can avoid that one a little bit I know that some other things it is but uh you know what's interesting I had a I had an interesting moment uh last summer so summer 2021 I'm on sabbatical and one of my guys took me and Kara to the airport we were going to Naples for the week and uh I don't know if this was just kind of spontaneous if this is really from the Lord I think it was from the Lord for us to hear it but he said something like hey I know money isn't it probably a, a little bit of a challenge for you guys being a single income family? You got four teenagers at that point, whatever. But I'm going to encourage you guys that you guys should do a, a week or close to a week away every year. And we kind of looked at each other like, is he crazy? Does he not realize like income and does he not realize, but you know what? We talked about it and we got to Florida and we're like, you know what? I think he's right. And God's been very gracious to us to give us opportunities. there um, on the cheap or whatever. And we decided okay we're gonna it may not be a week it may be a few days we did a few days when a mm-hmm. couple months ago but we've got we're actually going next year to the chick-fil-a um, I'm forgetting the, the. I'm blanking on the name. But wind shape thing down in Georgia for five days, mm. and uh, that's yeah, that's yeah. on the cheap, so that's great. But uh, that yeah, tweaking yeah, my spirit man, back stuff. in uh, the summer of 2021 from a friend was a really good one. So
1: no, good stuff, man, great stuff.
0: One more thing, I need to confess to you, Clark. Before we get into some fun questions and close it out, it's interesting the timing of this call because. Last night, I had a moment, and I felt like the Lord said, okay, you're going to end up telling Clark about this tomorrow. So um, I'm at Alex's basketball game, his last scrimmage before the season starts Friday. And, uh, you know, they play those quarters where you set the mm-hmm. the, the score back at each quarter. So each quarter is a big deal. You want to win. It's not a game. It's each quarter. So they win the first two quarters. Quarter number three, they're up two with like eight or nine seconds left. We're like, you know, don't let them get off a shot. Kid for the other team drives, makes this nice little move. He wasn't, he wasn't a great player, but he makes a move. He gets fouled, three-point play. Now, the clock ran a couple extra seconds. So I'm like right behind the bench a few rows, and I'm like, clock, clock, a couple more seconds. And his coach, who's a pretty good friend of mine, he looks back at me and he goes, Jeff, Jeff, it's, it's a scrimmage. I paused, and he goes, and oh, by the way, I, I got that. So I got, I got a little rebuke at the game last night. Mm. My wife kind of looked yeah. at me like shaking her head, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm friends with these guys. We're cool. But it actually became a good teachable moment because I went up to him afterwards. I put my arm around him. I said, Danny, you know my podcast is called the Pinkleton Pull-Aside. Sometimes I need pulled aside. Mm-hmm. I got the personal pull-aside at the game last night for the coach looking back at me saying, Jeff, it, it's a scrimmage. Yeah. I, I got yeah. this if we need that in the future.
1: Yeah. No, Speak to me. Stuff, challenge
0: man. me on that, Clark.
1: No, I don't need to. You've already you've laid it out, man. That's good. That's good stuff, man. It happened. You 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 accepted it. And uh, next time, perhaps you might be thinking, "Clock, clock," but you might not verbalize it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I told him, if nothing else, I'm help, I'm helping him as the coach create the space to love Alex a little bit more because he's like that's the guy he goes home with every night. So I better love Alex, yeah, even a little bit more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go i like that i like that man. i love that all
0: there right well go. we got a lot of stuff we're not getting to but i've got to end with my rapid five i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with these Clarks. so tell me we were talking snacking and vegging out earlier what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal
1: i had plenty but the cereal went right to captain crunch man you know, that was that was number one do you know and how many people say did? that we, we didn't have it often but when we did man i could I'd, I'd want to roll through the box in two or three sittings and then the other one was um i loved when my mom would kind of whip up the rice krispie treats you know you get uh, a free yeah. package now but yeah. my mom would usually put that little a little cooking pan cooking sheet yep. get the marshmallows get the butter and then whip it and then put them together man i thought that was the biggest deal and then them boys would be ready to eat and uh, the pan wouldn't last very long so rice krispie treats and uh captain crunch when i was younger
0: you being a, the columbus guru that you are maybe you need to go talk to jenny's and tell them to hook up some captain crunch rice crispy treat celery uh ice cream for jenny's <laughs> yeah. or something. that's something they do
1: <laughs> i know they got tons and tons of flavors oh they do i don't know if that one's on the menu
0: so you and i talk books often what is your favorite book you most like to gift to other people
1: you know, I haven't made a regular practice of gifting books. I've recommended a ton of books to folks, but I haven't gifted books. And that'll be something that I may step into at in 23 to actually have one or two go-tos for So what would be your book I to gift to other
0: people? What would be your one? If you did, you're like, this is the book. I've got to get in other people's hand.
1: You know, that I like the smaller ones. I mean, the Treasure Principle, mm. um, Randy yep. Alcorn, is really good. It's simple, yep. but it's powerful. And um I've reread that a handful of times. There's another one written by um, oh man, I'm blanking on his name, but A Life Well Spent. have got a couple of his books. Guy from Atlanta uh was with Ron Blue. Oh, but um A Life Well Spent is really good. It takes you through your full journey of how to be a steward. Good steward. Good steward. And then you know the one I've recommended recently to us, to several guys, and it's something you and I have talked about in regards to um, where we are in our journeys is um, An Unhurried Life mm. uh, yep. by Alan Fadley, yep. just living more at the pace of God's grace. And I've revisited that several times myself. And then Tony Dungey, as always, I've read most mm. of his uh, Uncommon, Yep. Um, the Uncommon Marriage. I mean, his, I've read pretty much Mentor-Leader, but Uncommon is, a, is I think was his first yeah, one. Yeah, it was. Um, or yeah, I think Uncommon and Quiet Strength, but Uncommon, is really a powerful uh, book because it, it it lays out the um, the process of of living a life of uh, of faith, of, of purpose, of, of significance, and he shares you know some of his personal um, you know challenges and difficulties in a in a real real powerful way. And then there was another one that I too that I read recently on people fuel by John Townsend, mm, yeah, John Townsend.
0: We talked about a good that. good friend
1: of mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah people feel a good friend of mine, Eric Nelson at Athletes in Action. He and I kind of walked through that one together. Um, but it just talks about the nutrients that God has wired us to to need, but also to, to learn how to get them and then to give them to other people mm. and how we really need to be mindful of those nutrients so we can be part of that um, reciprocal edification that um, we all need and uh um, benefit from
0: your life well spent that's a guy you've actually been to at a conference with because i've seen you there back in the day in indianapolis was russ Crosson?
1: russ Crosson. yep i yeah. just could not yeah yeah I've truth got of working to Russ medicine yeah yeah really good folks Yeah, you know, and that was one of my favorites that's on my shelf and i've read that a couple of times actually I've, yeah that's a good one so you those go. are those are a few but um you, you've nudged out. me to think about gifting um, intentionally mm. a, a couple of books in 2022 i'll just have maybe two that i pass out to a handful of.
0: there folks. you go that's neat i love hearing that so clark you and the kids and the grandkids are off on vacation with rosie you uh are driving you're not flying chick-fil-a
1: chick-fil-a <laughs> chick-fil-a bro don't even don't even hesitate long as it's not sunday and there's one in the neighborhood it's over it's okay, over. this question. It's every over. time
0: I ask it, it cracks me up to hear people's answers and how they respond. You didn't even let me get a word. As soon as I said vacation, no, no, he- it's
1: over because <laughs> I saw the question and it wasn't even this. Oh, I, I like a little. I like Mickey D's. Grew up. That was a big treat oh, my when gosh. I was younger. Love those fries. They're shakes, but you know, it's that's not even. You know, it's, it, it, if, if there's a Chick Fil A in the neighborhood, that's where I'll be. Clark, I've had comedians. I've had like four
0: comedians on this podcast. Nobody in the moment maybe laughed harder than you did right there and say, vacation, Chick-fil-A. I'm like, wow,
1: he is ready. All
0: right. What is the movie, Clark, that pulls you in every time you were to stumble across this movie? You're like, I'm locked and loaded. I'm watching this thing.
1: Well, It's a Wonderful Life is one of my all-time favorites. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, it gets me every time. Wow. Every single time when they start putting that money in the basket at the end for George Bailey and singing "Heart the Herald Angel Sing, and then that dude has impacted those lives because he couldn't leave. Uh, Was it Beaver Falls or Bedford Falls? Okay, he couldn't leave, and yeah, but it's a wonderful life. Old, old, yeah, um, holiday Famous. classic, man. But but it grabs me. Mm. And you know, another one that I, I typically, if I come across it. With all of the streaming platforms, it's rare that I'm just channel surfing. I mean, I'm usually when I go to the television, I'm usually going to watch something. It's not like it used to be where you might stumble on something. Um, usually, it's for me anyway. It's much more purposeful viewing because of the different platforms. But um, Shawshank Redemption oh, yeah. is one of um, one of the ones if I do stumble across it or see it. Um, I'll park. I'll park and uh, that comes up out, a lot. Uh,
0: yeah. And lastly, who was your first celebrity crush?
1: Oh man, my wife would tell you Alicia Keys. Oh, Okay, musician. Yep, yeah, that's what Rosie said. I mean, that's I didn't have. I can't remember anything before, you know, like in high school or even college. This would have been like maybe even after college because she didn't really come on the scene. Until, yeah, because she's so much. Yeah, but I enjoy her talent and her the way she the way she dresses and. And handles her um, her music over the years. Yeah, so my I sister think that just saw her. Was,
0: my sister just saw her and she raved about her. She said she was unbelievable. So
1: yeah, we went. So I took Talisa to see her uh, way back. I guess Talisa might have been in high school, but we oh, went wow. and saw her okay. in Columbus and then and then I've checked out some of her other stuff uh, online and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that would be the closest. That would Very be cool. probably the closest.
0: Okay. Well, Clark, hey, I know Tom is ramping up for you soon. You're getting in heavy, hot into the action of college basketball and beyond. And, uh, man, I think we made this happen when we did. And, uh, man, I just appreciate you as a friend, as a guy that I know it's not face-to-face often enough, but we get to do some life together. And you've always been great yeah. to check in, text, prayer points. Um, man, I hope, I'm sure our listeners, whoever they are, got uh, much out of this and uh, again you you ramped me up as a dad as a husband there and uh man i'm getting eager about this chick-fil-a opening up close to us soon after you jump through the you jump through the the, the uh, oh, yeah. microphone there oh, on yeah. that one
1: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah pleasure jeff great to hang out with you always man. always my appreciate friend. the two-way edification man you and your, your lovely family man keep on fighting the good fight and let's uh Keep setting the stage to finish well and finish strong for uh, for our families and for others.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest
1: and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.